This is Mouth Media Network. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Welcome to this episode of All Possibilities. I'm so happy that you are here with us today. I have an exciting guest here with me. His name is Derek Garlington, and he has a really interesting background. He is a writer, he's a filmmaker, a mixed martial artist. That part I want to hear more about. So, so Derek, you were introduced to me through uh, one of our friends. And he had mentioned that you wrote a book specifically on the Akashic Records, or maybe it was inspired by that. And so when you heard about um, what I did, that was actually how we actually ended up meeting. So first, I'd love to hear what motivated you to, to get in touch and do this session with me today. You know, I found it really interesting because... Throughout my process, I moved to New York about four years ago, and that's when I took writing a little bit more seriously and started to work on this novel. And I noticed, you know, they say the universe, what you put into your life or put into your belief is what you'll get out. So as I started to write this book about certain topics, more things came into play. Eventually, I started kind of playing with the concept of putting the Akashic Records in there because I'd learned more about it and thought it was pretty cool. It kind of blew me away, our mutual friend. Um, I'd known him for years, and it was only this time after I finished my book and everything that we kind of got into the spirituality talk, and I just thought that's so cool. You know, now is the time when we were supposed to have this talk and connect me to you, and excited just to kind of learn more from your perspective about it, because mine comes from more of a research place in terms of the Akashic Records than uh, a place of a personal understanding, if that makes sense. Mm. And that's actually the part that intrigues me because I've had personal experiences with it and I I still feel like I don't know everything and there's definitely more to explore. So can you tell us about how you got inspired to actually go down this path? Was it a spiritual experience that you had? Um, what led you to, to look into this? Well, like I said, when I moved to New York four years ago, I knew I wanted to write amongst other things I'd come to pursue filmmaking through an internship and throughout the time little things kept happening that moved me into a more spiritual direction um you know without giving away too much of the book I kind of started looking into the idea of past lives and what that really means to really look into our past and history I'd say one thing particularly as I moved to Long Island and there's a lot of 
places with uh, Native American names because, you know, Native Americans were here first. And as I kind of started to explore, you know, why these names exist, who was here and all those things, it just kind of developed me into knowing, you know, as an American, I wanted to know that history. I live on this land. And it kind of took me to a place where I realized that there is kind of a space that these memories can exist, the Akashic Records. And in my book, I play with the idea of what would happen if memories from the past started to interact with people in the present. So that's kind of how that whole thing got whirlwind together. And have you had personal experiences? Yes, I have. And um, <laughs> they've been, uh, they've been, some of them have been quite eerie, especially one that came about recently. Eerie in a, in a pretty cool way. Uh, in particular, one experience I had is in the book, I play with, uh, there's a shell, a particular shell that you can find on the Northeast Coast called uh, wampum. And I'm actually wearing some today. Mm. And uh, it plays a part in my, in my story and also definitely in the story of the Northeastern uh, Native Americans. It was very culturally uh, profound. They used it to make treaties, to mark big points in life. And eventually, like all things, um, as it you know, um, the Americas got discovered, it kind of lost its value as a cultural piece, at least to um, the Europeans. So it became more so of a currency. But in my in my space and in Native American space, it has a deeper meaning. And one day, uh, you know, every once in a while when I go to the beaches, I'd run across like maybe a little shard of a shell or something like that, uh, which was cool. I've, but I've only come across like maybe about five pieces in all my time of walking around beaches in Long Island. Hmm. So I'd finished my book, it'd been some time, and recently it was a little warmer out, so I decided to go for a run at a spot that I was pretty familiar with. And I'm running, I'm running, like, just a nice jog, and I'm enjoying myself. And then I see a pier, and I, I remember this pier, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to sprint to the end of the pier. So I start sprinting, and I'm like, I'm looking like a slightly crazy person, because everyone else is, like, all coupled up and lovey and dovey and all that stuff, and I'm this guy sprinting down the pier, but, you know, I'm really loving the adrenaline rush. And I look down, I see these, like, little white specks, and I'm assuming, you know, birds uh, <laughs> love to poop everywhere, so I actually see it in my head. I was like, oh, I must be seeing, like, little, you know, little pieces of bird poop. I was like, whatever. <laughs> so I keep running, and I stop getting my breath together, and then I look down, and these particular shells are white and have this really cool purple shading on the outside. And <laughs> by far, it actually wasn't bird poop I was seeing, but these shells were riddled all over this pier. And I have no explanation for that whatsoever. The shell is a pretty rare shell. You don't just come across it like that. For some reason, the whole pier, they were all over the pier. I don't have an explanation for it. And while everyone else is kind of just, you know, loved up, looking at the ocean, enjoying the weather, I found it really interesting that, I was having this spiritual experience out in the open where I started picking up these shells. I have them in my room now, and I have a huge, pretty big collection of them because they're all over the place. And to be in a public place where I'm feeling something like that and I'm noticing something like that, but um, you know, had no importance to others, it was it was just really interesting. And um, again, I'm trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to do with the with the shells, but actually no. Uh, wampum carver so I was thinking about bringing some of them to him and seeing if we want to kind of do something together we had mentioned that before you mentioned purchasing the raw materials and all of a sudden I come across this huge inventory of them just on a pier so long story short that was just one of the experiences and I've had a couple like that that have just really don't have too much of an exclamation for it mm -hmm. um, but I feel that my spiritual experiences tend to come through my writing mostly you know other things that happens but 
whenever I write something, uh, you know, whether it's just a coincidence or whatever, a, a couple weeks later, something related to that will happen that I don't have an explanation for. And I, I find that, you know, I find that God given, to be honest, I don't really know mm-hmm. how it works, but I pen it down and a few weeks later it shows up. <laughs> mm, so. Give us an example of that. That's kind of like a movie, right? Where yeah, you can write is. and it becomes reality. Um, well, definitely the one poem. Um, and then especially I also in my book, uh, there's a lot to do with the woods of Long Island as well. And, you know, sometimes it goes back and forth, but I remember I was writing my book and I was um, looking for what, what, what moved the plot next, you know, what, what, what happens next. And again, <laughs> I guess running is also a part of it. Again, I was going for a nice little jog and thinking about how to move the story forward and little things will happen. It wasn't a huge moment, but I'm into, you know, being connected with nature and I was jogging and I kind of slowed down and I hear this uh, pecking on a tree and I'm like, what is that? And I can't remember a particular moment where I, um, have been connected with a woodpecker before, but I look at the tree and there's a woodpecker there. And it was just really interesting how it caught my attention. And, uh, what I ended up doing was I penned that in my book and it became a point for a character at a certain point. She didn't know where to go. She's lost in the woods and she hears a pecking on a tree and that motivates her to move forward and, and, uh, in that direction. And then she kind of finds her way out. So little things like that will go back and forth or either I'll experience something and put it into my writing or vice versa. Um, I have an experience that becomes my writing because the reason she was lost in the woods is because I got lost in the woods before mm. in long Island. And I realized how beautiful it was. And it just was like a segue of, okay, let me intertwine that into my story. So my spiritual experiences and my writings are very closely aligned, which is kind of a fun way for, at least for me to live life. So, <laughs> mm. And what are you hoping to leave the reader with through your story? And I don't think we've actually mentioned the name. Why don't yes. you uh, share that? <laughs> the name of the book is Souls of a Kindred Flame. And uh, on the outside, it is a spiritual mystery story about a girl who goes to the beach to meditate and she closes her eyes. When she opens them up, she's on a different part of the beach. She doesn't really know how she got there. And throughout the novel, she starts hearing, seeing, and feeling things she can't really explain. So it's a bit of a spiritual journey for her to figure out what's going on. And that's the fun of the novel. As you travel with her, she figures it out. And when people read the novel, um, there are things that I key into. You know, One of them is meditation. Some of it's mindfulness. Some of it's just plain fun drama. But I want the audience to hopefully leave with a little bit of, hmm, because a lot of divinity that's the main character's name a lot of her problem solving comes through uh kind of internalizing and taking a moment of quiet and i find in today's society especially we're here in new york (laughs) moments Mm -hmm. of quiet can be far and in between but just like writing those moments of quiet is when i feel very uh spiritually connected but they're fleeting sometimes so i hope Mm -hmm. that this book might uh inspire somebody to be like you know what Maybe if I take a moment of quiet, I'll uh, I'll discover something pretty cool or, you know, stuff like that. So if anyone, if they take anything away from the book, I hope it is to know that you have more internal power than you think and to take a moment to examine that and play with that. I'm still exploring it myself, exploration every day. So I hope I can help people do that as well. Yeah, that's meditation, mindfulness, all being in nature. All of those things are things I I see them as, I call them inner empowerment 
toolkits or they're part of this inner empowerment toolkit and that at any given moment you can always access that in order for you to access your own inner power so tell me about what your practice is in terms of the tools that you use and how did you find them Hmm. how did you know it works for you yeah um you know i uh, discovered one of them as I mentioned, is uh, jogging and running. And I discovered that actually through another sport, I, I got into mixed martial arts um, in a very random way. Never been in a street fight in my life. I'm not the most violent person unless I'm like sparring or in the ring. And then I love it. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But I find that um, just the motion of having your body being active, you kind of, I guess, you know, there's science behind as well in terms of like endorphins and things of that nature, but uh, especially martial arts in particular, you have to be in the moment. I mean, even the other day I was having sparring sessions and it can be super exhausting and I just was not feeling it. And then sometime in the last two rounds, I was able to come within my body and find that focus to dodge that punch I see coming, uh, stop that tackle that's coming at me, find the timing so that I could land my own hits. And, you know, a lot of times these are with my training partners who are great friends of mine. So it's like, you know, having this violent moment with people you really care about. And I remember finishing the round and uh, one of my uh, female fight companions, she sat me down and talked about how I got into it in the second round. And she actually said something pretty spiritual and it just like popped out of nowhere. But she was like, I'd noticed in those first few rounds you were outside of your body you were thinking you weren't really in tune you uh, weren't fully present I guess and she said in those last two rounds which were actually frustrating a little little background is I'm more of a stand-up fighter like Muay Thai and kickboxing so mm-hmm. I love to punch kick and all that stuff but I do mixed martial arts which includes wrestling and going against a wrestling as a stand-up fighter can be super frustrating because mm-hmm. if you can get a hold on if someone can get a hold on you as a wrestler then they can pretty much uh win the fight if you don't if you don't get away you know their their goal is to hold on to you your goal is to make space you can punch so over and over they kept grabbing me and you know i'd have to get out get out and then that last two rounds i just was not letting it happen and she said you know i saw you get into your body and really just focused on i'm not gonna let this happen no matter what my exhaustion went away Mm. you know i was frustrated but even my frustrations that's what she really said was whatever you're feeling whether it's anger frustration focus, you know, bloodlust, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. make sure you focus that, um, effectively and use that. So for in a spirituality standpoint, martial arts, definitely those, there's, there's these key moments when I'm finally in there, I'm I'm fully in my body and I'm fully focused on this is what I have to do. So focused to the point that you're just not even thinking anymore. It's just, it's just your body and, and your mind taking over naturally. So Martial arts is definitely a huge one. Uh, writing, as I mentioned before, those are two huge keys that really get me um, spiritually in that mindset that I that I love to be in. Tell me about a moment when you didn't want to write. How did you approach that? You know, I definitely have had those moments, uh, whether it's just pure writer's block or as I mentioned, my book plays with kind of the idea of past lives and that dealt with digging into histories that weren't my own. So sometimes I was a little worried, like, I want to make sure I represent these people properly, um, which in those cases, I went and kind of like met people who you know lived that history or that history is in their background. But uh, there's there's definitely times when 
it gets frustrating a little less more so now that I have my first novel out the way, I feel a little more confident, but in those moments, how did I get past them? Sometimes it was just time. I took a step away. Luckily, as I told you, I kind of like do a lot of different things. So sometimes it was a matter of stepping away, letting something else become a focus and then coming back to the writing. Uh, yeah, I would say letting it flow. Writer's block is a natural thing. Um, and I think sometimes it's best just to kind of step away and allow yourself the freedom to grow a little bit more than to come back at the pages. That and then also something I like to call just word vomit, which is sometimes <laughs> you may like, uh, I'll say, you know, I want to make sure I write three pages a day, at least so it's on the page. And it's super hard with anything we do not to be judgmental of ourselves. You know, you write a page and it may suck, but you got the ideas out there because uh, they say, you know, they always say writing is rewriting. So mm -hmm. I found even those times when I just, I haven't felt like I wanted to write or my writing is no good. I personally love just putting pen to paper. Literally most of my stuff, I, I write on a notebook first and then I translate to the computer. Mm -hmm. So I'll just, I'll just let my hand flow uh, and let it do its thing and try my hardest not to be judgmental of what's going on. Uh, especially cause you know, sometimes words are hard. Words don't come to you. So it'll be a lot of, she did this and then he did that. And then she did this. And it's like, Oh, this is terrible. Why am I writing? <laughs> but then you go back and you reflect on it and you're like, okay, well, how can I make this more interesting? So I find my best strategies are either just completely step away and let something else become a focus, let your mind relax a little bit, or just to kind of do that word vomiting where whatever hits the page is what hits the page. And we'll come back and look at this later and figure out how to make it look like a pretty picture versus some, my lunch that I regurgitated. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, those are like probably my main two strategies to get through writer's block. Um, that that's something that really resonates with me because when I do my readings, it is a, a channeling process. So the words just come to me and it always boggles my mind because it takes me so long to write a blog post. And I feel like it's two different parts of my brain, one where it's this direct connection, another where my rational mind is trying to, you know, is this the right word? Is this exactly what I'm trying to say? So, so, so yeah, I think just getting it out on the page is it just gets us connected to to our our flow yeah because it's it's kind of an honest moment i would say because by the time you write your third or fourth draft you've thought about you know every word you put and how you worded it but that first draft is sometimes an ugly reflection because you're like oh this is just like the blatant way my brain is processing things <laughs> so yeah i can definitely understand that and i think that's interesting that you say you know you have, when you uh go and kind of look and uh, what you call it, a reading, yeah, when you go do a reading, you just kind of channel it and those words just come to you. But then, like you said, it's a different part of your brain. So you can get a little messy trying to look at all the different parts of the brain. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So congratulations on getting your first novel out. That's a huge feat. Thank you. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, I know when we had talked, you were interested in in getting a what I call a mini intuitive reading. So what motivated you to be open to this? You know, what really motivated me is um, through my book, a lot of things end up being researched. I mean, they say write what you know, which a lot of it is. And then the other half is write what I want to know. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. And one of those things is uh, more 
in spirituality, I've had like these own personal experiences, but especially when I ran across something like the Akashic Records, I was like, this is so cool. The idea that, you know, all this information does get stored somewhere and we can find a way to access it just thrilled me. And, uh, as I mentioned as well, I had like Native American things in my book and that I went out and eventually went to powwows, met people. I have certain friends who are Native American and really kind of like showed me more into that world but the akashic records and spirituality sadly i don't have as many friends in that region and i would <laughs> love to make some more so let's be friends today and <laughs> so nice. when i heard about this i was i was super open i felt like it was it was meant to be so i was like i'm gonna make this happen so i'm happy to be here and uh, do this with you cool well thanks for being here mm -hmm. and so let me share a little bit about the akashic records and how i work so um, the Akashic Records, you can imagine it as this library of information for each soul uh, within this lifetime and across lifetimes. So everything from thoughts to feelings to the, the gifts that you want to share in this world. And I'm able to access that information using my intuitive senses. And all of us have intuitive senses. It's really just a muscle that we strengthen. And I spent uh, a number of years strengthening this muscle in order for me to receive information. So, so I use um, a number of senses, clairaudience, which is clear hearing is my strongest sense. I use other senses like clairvoyance, clairseeing, uh, clairsentience, which is clear feeling. And so it's almost like if you imagine your five senses and then you layer on a whole bunch of other senses where you're receiving images in your mind's eye, you're hearing thought impressions, you might feel energy in your body, or you might feel emotion, like I, I might feel joy, I might feel anxiety. And it's not it's not coming from anything that's triggering in my life. It's more like it's a communication, and it's supposed to uh, convey some message. So so yeah, so how I do this is I meditate on your name and your email address, which is all I had. I hadn't met you before. And then I'm sitting at my laptop fully conscious and I'm just typing. So I'm channeling this information. These words flow through me. Um, it speaks as if, uh, for whatever reason, it speaks as if it's third person. So it kind of refers to you as, you know, this is, this is he, this is him. Like this, these are the things that he can really look at to, to move his life forward in a way that he wants to move it forward in and for him to align to who, to who he is, uh, on a soul level. So I get all this information and I might see images because a picture is worth a thousand words and all of this information usually comes in the form of metaphors. Mm -hmm. I think metaphors mm -hmm. just have so, there's so much nuance and complexity in them and what they can convey. And that's why I love these readings because sometimes these metaphors come up um, and it'll just make me appreciate the everyday things that I see in life. Because maybe in the beginning I thought it was just, you know, cracking an egg, for example. But really there's, there's so much meaning that can be seen mm -hmm. and felt and actually, um, actually teach us something just from that simple movement. We'll, we'll dive right into the reading after a quick break. And when we come back, Derek and I will talk about his mini intuitive reading. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. 
Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. And I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Derek Garlington. He is a writer, a filmmaker, a mixed martial artist. And uh, before the break, we learned about his spiritual experiences, what motivated him to write his book. And now we're going to actually dive right into a mini reading that I've done for him already. So I do all my readings beforehand. And when I meditate on his name and his email address, and I set the intention to receive information for your highest good, meaning whatever is going on in your life right now, what is that one thing I can share that can really help you move forward? I then open my mind and words come through and I never know what I'm going to get. So, so I'm going to open my phone and pull it up. And how this will work is I will share this verbatim to you. So I'll read it to you. So, so as I pull up the reading on my phone, what's interesting is I, I do these readings beforehand. And when that happens, it's almost like I'm not really there. I receive the information, I'm typing it all out. But when I pull it up again and read it, it's almost like reading it with with new perspective and with me there. I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's almost like I'm discovering this reading with you as I'm sharing it with you. And I'm getting present to the feelings that I might have felt in my body, um, whether it's joy or whatever emotions come up um, for the first time as well. Cool. Let's explore. <laughs> okay. And as I'm sharing this with you, allow your mind to, to see the images that come up and your mind might wander. It might, you know, come up with ideas. Just allow that to happen. So I asked, what is the highest guidance for him at this time? It is about the love birds, two birds of a feather that come together, flapping their wings. Their interaction is light, playful, and airy like the feeling of soft wings fluttering against his skin. This symbolizes when he feels like his heart skips a beat. The birds are not flying. They have their little claws clasped together, and they both flap their wings, hovering in the air. 
there is a lightness of being, and it feels like it's not going anywhere in the traditional sense of flying forward. There is a mental construct that in order for birds to fly, they must be gaining ground, moving forward towards their destination. In this case, the two birds were hovering in mid-air, clasped together. It is this feeling that brings him joy. Where he gets stuck is when he feels like it has to be moving forward towards something. The lovebirds are only concerned with the here and now. Hovering in midair for sustained periods of time is perfectly okay. And then we get to the image, which is a continuation of this metaphor. You saw two blue birds facing each other, their little feet clasped together, and their wings fluttering. They hovered in midair as if part of a mysterious dance. Sunlight beamed overhead, and it was like witnessing a special moment of intimacy. It felt calm, beautiful, and serene, a shared moment. So the action step And this is something for you to explore, to look at, to play with. It says to look at his life and his relationships, to see where he feels like he is trying to drive things forward. There is a need to respect and honor the moments where it just stays in midair. This is where presence and joy live for him. So that's the end of the mini reading. So I'd love to hear how this resonates, if at all, and what it brings up for you. So thoughts, stories, memories, feelings. Yeah, I find it interesting um, because actually for the first time uh, possibly ever, I've had some good relationships. So I'm in a a very good one now where it's kind of what I was looking for uh, on many different levels, but especially an artistic one, we kind of really mesh that way. I'm a writer. She's a, a designer, but also an, art, um, an artist in terms of uh, drawing. So we kind of play this little game where we've made this universe together, and I see that as the clasping is us building together, you know, mainly through the story, but through a lot of different ways. We are just very similar. I haven't really had that relationship with someone where I feel like we joke, but we're, we feel like we're very much the same person. Also in the sense that we also usually date people who are very different than us, whether it's like uh, phonetically, like, you know, in appearance, or if it's uh, actually like emotionally and just, we tend to date across the spectrum. (laughs) We kind of joke and say we've both done the kind of the United Nations of dating thing, different (laughs) people in different places. But now we've kind of found each other and it's very, uh, it works really well. So, you know, I'm trying to see where where that goes. And we only kind of had one conflict. I'm, uh, I'm very much so a uh, moving forward person. I like to like progress in things, especially surrounding mm-hmm. this like little story we're building. She was going through like a rough patch with other things. 
so I kind of like took a step back. I was like, all right, well, let's like just kind of just have fun. And we did. And we have a blast. And we just have fun. And got to a place where this story is, you know, something eventually we would love to publish. But it became to feel a little bit more like work. And I, I didn't want that to happen, especially for her, because she had like a lot of other things to focus on. And it never became a big issue. But it was big enough to become kind of like a lump a little bit, you know, something mm -hmm. like a little bit like if you think of, I guess we're going metaphors here. If you think of mm -hmm. like a sore throat, you know, yeah. not, not, not enough to, to stop your day, but enough that whenever you swallow, you think about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so we took some time and we and just kind of, we stepped away. We didn't work on it and we've gotten to a little tussy about it. Cause I love, you know, I told you I'm a writer stories is like where my heart is. So it's kind of funny. Um, Cause it wasn't even like a disagreement or anything, but I had to be like, you're the only person I can share this story with. Like you're the only fan, like we're, we're like the only fans of this thing. So I just want to like, you know, flirt with you about it and talk to you about it and all that stuff. And it was really funny because before we had that conversation, you know, we usually sit down, we both have our pen, she has a notebook, she'll draw whatever comes to her about the story and I'll write something about it. Mm -hmm. And we had spent some time being very focused about it and being like, this is where the story is going. And this is like how we're going to set the illustrations and the writing. And it was all good and fun, but it, it lost some of its just vitality. Honestly, I, I would look at her drawings and they weren't the same. It, it, they felt like they were coming a little bit from a place of stress. And I didn't want that at all. It's supposed to be something fun. So it's kind of interesting when we stopped and maybe I stopped even more. So being like, okay, well, the story has to move forward. And we sat down in a coffee shop and just had fun. And we're like, mm. let's just, again, do what comes to mind. It came out beautifully again. Her her drawings came together really well. And I even feel like my writing was flowing better. So mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that you talk about that, um, that hovering and just enjoying the moment. Uh, I'm not always the best, even though I'm spiritual and try to. I'm not always the best at just enjoying the moment. I'm often thinking about you know, how is this going to move me forward? Like, instead of just being like, mm -hmm. enjoy the spirituality, like, how is this going to make me more spiritual? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I try to stop myself from doing that. And, uh, with her, I think I'm really actually learning to do that. Cause we're both people who are, who are very hungry for success and, and want to push forward, which is like so great about our relationship. But at the same time, I've, I've never felt more at peace mm -hmm. just being with somebody. I'm usually thinking about, not to be mean, but like, am I wasting my time right now? Should I be doing other things? You know, mm -hmm. uh, specifically, I guess my previous relationship was, was actually a really good one too. But a lot of time I felt like we weren't really doing too much and that bothered me. Mm -hmm. I feel like in my current relationship, even when we're not doing too much, we're still accomplishing some, something like yeah. emotionally and spiritually. So that image is really interesting, especially at a time now. So that definitely resonates with me and I kind of love how it comes to you. That's really cool. <laughs> that, that image is going to stick with me now. Birds clasping feet kind of yeah. in this dance. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a uh, an opportunity for, for you to ask yourself in your relationship and also in other areas of your life, mm -hmm. are you being the bird that's trying to move forward? Cause when you think of birds, they're always, you know, they, they have a destination in mind, they're soaring, they're, there's some forward trajectory. And, and you can ask yourself, am I, or am I being these two birds that are really hovering? It's almost like if you see hummingbirds hovering in midair, and then, but this time there's two of them. And it's that 
it's it's a very beautiful connection that you can have with with someone whether it's you know this this person in your life or if it's a project mm -hmm. or a, a career or whatever it may be so so yeah use these images so i have a little question for you about mm -hmm. it um because it's interesting i was really loving the description but then you mentioned that like yeah birds move forward versus hovering um do you think one is better than the other or how do they come into play? Like at some time, should you be hovering? Should you be moving forward? Cause that's, that's kind of a, that is true. Cause that's a very big internal battle for me. Sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes I worry about the hovering, but then, you know, those can be beautiful moments too, but I'm, I can be sometimes a very moving forward person. Cause I even felt anxiety when you mentioned hovering. I'm like, wait, why, why am I not flying forward? <laughs> um, so that's um, where the resistance comes in. Yeah. So I'm interested in your take on that kind of hovering versus flying forward aspect. Yeah. I think because it came up in this reading, it means that this distinction between birds moving forward versus hovering in this beautiful moment in midair, that that distinction is important for you to be aware of and to be conscious of how it shows up in your life. Mm -hmm. Because if there is tension, like if there is resistance to, oh my goodness, I'm hovering, I'm not moving forward, then there's sort of an attachment to something. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know, what does this relationship look like or what is it going to, to you know, what, what are the outcomes? And whether it's in relationship or career. Mm -hmm. And when there is an attachment to something you can sort of feel how that energy affects you. You might feel you might feel contracted. You might kind of have that like sinking feeling in your stomach. It just it kind of shows up in people in different ways, but it it makes you feel like oh, like I haven't done enough. I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of it is when you feel expansive, when you're committed to something. Maybe it's committed to exploring and enjoying these beautiful moments together mm -hmm. and then creating more and more of these beautiful moments together. Mm -hmm. And when you come from that energy, it's, it's almost like the world becomes your oyster. Like you think opportunities come to you, synchronicities come to you. And I've seen this in my life too, where I have to ask myself, what am I attached to? And how can I let that go and really embody this sense of I am, I'm fully present and fully in enjoyment of whatever it is that's going on right now. Yeah, it's funny. I definitely feel, uh, like I said, because it's, it's also very true um, career-wise. You know, I've been in New York for four years, and it's really, you know, I'm a, I'm a young guy, so this is like my first time to really exploring my career. And I've actually learned and done a lot. Um, and I had to kind of become okay with the fact that, like, Sometimes it doesn't always feel like, you know, you're flying forward. And sometimes that's okay. It's okay to in, just enjoy what's going on in my career right now versus being like, oh, well, I want to be here by then, you know. So I find that kind of interesting. And I, uh, the reason I bring it back to relationship is something about this relationship I am in now, though, is teaching me that because I've never felt more at peace with just being in the moment with somebody else. And now, um, I like, <laughs> I, I tend to call myself like, uh, um, 
a social loner in the sense of I kind of hot friend groups. Like I, I mm-hmm. have a lot of different friends, but I'm never that guy who hangs out with like the same four friends every day. Like it's mm-hmm. usually different people all the time. And it's, I think it's a tendency that I don't, I don't, I don't like that hovering because, you know, if you stay with certain people too long, you know, if they're good people, it's great. And most of my friends are, are great, but you end up having the same conversations, you know, you kind of go, you go in the same circle mm-hmm. and I'm kind of becoming okay with, it's okay to hover sometimes, but, you should it be in you should allow yourself to enjoy it mm-hmm. because if you're so worried about flying forward you might miss the right direction to go almost you know like mm-hmm. if I'm hovering in the military and in the middle of the woods you know like I can choose a 360 direction after I'm done hovering to go in but if I'm so concerned with like being worried about hovering I might miss the right direction and just start flying forward and run into a tree Versus, mm-hmm. you know, finding the stream per se. So I've kind of become okay with hovering and just enjoying the moment. And then with that stream in mind, listening and then maybe hearing the water and being like, okay, once I'm done hovering, I'm going to head towards the stream versus being so anxiety ridden when I'm like right. hovering that I just like fly in any direction and run into something. Right. So. And that that hovering is where your joy is. Yeah. When you really get down to it and get present to how it feels, that kind of calm, peace, zen feeling that you were talking about, mm-hmm. that's that's when time expands. Mm-hmm. Very true. So we just finished our mini reading with Derek, and normally in the next segment we would continue reflecting on what it means and what his next steps are. But given our journey and and all of the research that he's done and his experiences, I thought it would be a great opportunity for him to ask me some questions and really have a conversation about it. So we'll be doing that right after this break. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Welcome back to All Possibilities. I'm here with Derek, and I, you know, I consider myself a reasonably intuitive person, and I think he may have some questions on his mind for me. So, Derek, why don't you share uh, what, what's what's on your mind? You know what? I think you might be right in this case. I do actually have some questions. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I guess one thing is, like I said, I, I did uh, research when a lot of research when I was working on my book of like what the Akashic records are, and. I realize they can come through as images and many other things and things of that nature. But I think I also tied that idea of the Akashic Records together with a little bit of past life regression. So not to give too much of the book away, but it was it was more so about like 
um, not a particular person's past life. Like not like this is who I was in the last life, but it was more so like seeing someone else's life, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I just know that the Akashic Records is kind of this very expansive thing. So I guess my question is, of course, with me, we just had this like beautiful imagery, which is like, I feel like it's going to st- stick with me forever of the birds clasping together and hovering. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious to know what other imagery you might see. And do you ever kind of stumble across something that you feel like maybe this was like memories of someone in the past or something of that nature? And mm-hmm. just what are like the different realms of, I guess, the Akashic Records that you've explored and how you got there, too? Yeah. So many questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so the Akashic Records... It is you're right. It's it's so much information, so much wisdom, and depending on who who is actually tapping into it and what their intuitive senses are, that's how the information will come through. So if you if you imagine it as um, you know if someone it's someone is maybe very well versed in clairvoyance, they might see images, and they may have actually been trained to see images as symbols. So you might actually see some um, intuitives who, you know, when they see a rose, it has a certain meaning for them. Or when they see a tree, it has a certain meaning for them. So for whatever reason, my sense is clairaudience as as the primary sense. And so it does come out in words. And, um, and because of the nature of my work, I ask within the records, I can ask any question, first of all. So that's actually like, I do my own readings and I do readings for my husband and and like my business and stuff like that. So, so for the nature of my work, I focus on asking what is someone's life purpose? Because that's sort of the overarching umbrella. I see that once you know your purpose, you can then channel it through everything in your life. So career, business, relationships, um, et cetera. And and usually the information that comes out is about this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And there may have been certain soul lessons that someone has been learning over multiple lifetimes. So it could be that, let's say, someone's purpose, um, I mean, let's let's take my purpose, for example, which is to to use my voice to build a, to build a family of spiritually empowered people. And it, it took a while for me to grapple with that because I was like, I didn't go to all these, you know, schools and MIT to be known as spiritual. So when that happens, you can, it, you, it's almost like maybe in a past life that was a lesson for me to learn, and I maybe didn't embrace it. Maybe I was too scared to step out into my spirituality. Maybe, maybe I didn't get to this point, which is where I am, where I actually left a career in economic development to come out and you'd be open about, Hey, there's, there's such thing as psychic ability. So it could be that over my own lifetimes, it, it takes that long for me to learn, okay, this is, this is how I can get over my fears and actually express my purpose. So meaning there are past lives that can come across in terms of information. I generally don't ask about it mm-hmm. because I'm focused entirely on how can you use this knowledge to empower what you do in this lifetime. And the goal for, for me and my work is really how can, how can you be conscious of your purpose or of you know what's going on or how you 
how you are being in a relationship, for example, how can you use that information so that you can just keep expressing on this plane of joy? Mm. And when that happens, you, you experience bliss, synchronicities happen, you connect with people, and I find time seems to expand. Things just happen faster. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And I guess, yeah, focusing on, on the now, uh, when, we, when we did my reading, um, it was you know that hovering versus flying forward type of feeling. Now, when you, what was the question you asked the records exactly when you, when you were looking for I me? I asked, what is the highest guidance for him at this time? Cool, cool. Okay, cool. And then I guess deeper would be kind of like you said, what is your your purpose mm-hmm. is kind of like the next question. So um, what would you say is the best way to, I guess, get in touch with the records? Um, and how did, I guess, how did you mm-hmm. develop the skill and how would you kind of point someone in the right direction of developing it themselves? And is it possible to just develop it yourself? Yeah. So everyone has intuitive ability. And, and you may have a different frame of reference for it. Maybe it's, you know, it's a gut feeling or it's a, um, you might have dreams or you might have those spiritual moments that you, you know, shared with us today. And what happened for me was I, I was completely not aware of my intuitive ability until several years ago when I had a spiritual awakening, um, in the middle of a breakdown, I was sobbing, hyperventilating, and then this rush of peace went through my body and I could then feel all these intuitive senses waking up. So this knowing in my heart, I heard things in my head and I saw images across my mind's eye. And it was that feeling of, of otherworldliness. It's almost like, I don't, I don't have a frame of reference for this, what just happened, but I know that now that it's now that I have a taste of what it feels like, I, I know I can get back to it. Mm-hmm. So with that, I intentionally developed my intuitive ability. And at the time it was very closeted because no one in my circles really talked about this stuff mm-hmm. and I didn't feel comfortable. So a lot of it was self-taught. Um, I would buy books off of Amazon because I didn't feel comfortable going into a Barnes and Noble and, you know, putting down books on psychic development and tarot cards and looking at the <laughs> cashier in the eye and saying, yeah, yep, mm-hmm, this, is, this is what I'm <laughs> buying, right? So I did it all through Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it just came with, I think the first step is intention mm-hmm. in that I wanted to learn this. And I, I knew that it was sort of a missing piece in in how I how I interacted with the world, that the world was actually more complex than I had known. And then came allowing. So really what gets in or what got in my way was my ego mind. My ego mind was like, this can't be real. Mm -hmm. You know, if this were real, I would have known about it or they would have taught this in college. (laughs) You know, that was how I, how I thought. And with this allowing, I really approached it as an experiment where it might be, you know, one day when I'm going to work, I would, I would guess, you know, which elevator is going to come first. Mm. Or, you know, if I think of someone and, you know, what if they show up tomorrow or what if I meet them in the street? So just kind of looking for signs and symbols. Mm -hmm. And one thing that really helped me was something called inspired writing. Mm. 
So that's when I would first meditate. I might write down a question, again, pen to paper. There's something very powerful about oh, so writing powerful. as I opposed agree. to yeah. the, you know, typing. Mm-hmm. And I would I would then write a question, let's say it's like, you know, how can I how can I um how can I be happier in my job or how can I approach this situation with my boss? And then I would open my mind and just let, let words come to me and I would just write. And afterwards I would look back and think, you know what? I don't think I wrote this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it might be because I'm maybe just tuned to this information. It may be harder for other people to actually, you know, tune in that quickly. But after a while I thought, wow, you know, this, the advice that came out of these readings or writings at the time, I actually started taking action on them. Mm-hmm. And it was with that experiment of, okay, I get this information, but am I actually going to use it? Mm-hmm. And once I started using it and seeing that the outcome was just beyond what I my rational mind could imagine, I then was thinking, you know what? I want to lead with my intuitive mind. It's interesting. And I, I, I kind of like that route that you're talking about. Cause I, I can, I say I have a similar experience with, with writing. Um, sometimes I can very much so tell when my writing is just coming from the rational mind It's coming from kind of my own thoughts, my own progressions and all that stuff. And I guess, you, you know, using again, that, that more rational side of my brain, but there's certain times and, Kind of like when we were talking about the story earlier, when I was uh, writing with my girlfriend in the coffee shop and we kind of just let things go. When I was writing, um, it, I didn't quite feel as rationally connected. The words were just coming from a different place. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm definitely going to explore a little bit more and, and consciously knowing that that's what's going on. Because I feel like I've been there before, but I haven't, like you said, used it actively. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting thing. I definitely want to explore that. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Have fun with it. Yeah, for sure. And you might actually find that some of your best work comes out when you are just connected with this flow mm-hmm. and it may actually come out really quickly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I'm always surprised that pages of information come out and, and I think true artists are able to really connect with that yeah because i mean I, I knew when i had the reading i thought i'd learn something cool but i didn't expect it to be so poetic like that <laughs> that image is definitely imprinted in my mind now very much so great so, yeah awesome <laughs> how how can our listeners connect with you find out more about your book and connect with what causes are important to you great um well first of all as we said before my name is Derek j garlington my first novel is titled Souls of a Kindred Flame. And actually this summer, I'm looking to translate that into a film. So if you're not writers or readers, um, you can also watch it. So that, that's coming up next. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, and my tag tends to be Tiger Shark, actually. That's my fight nickname. And that's T-H-A-I-G-E-R-S-H-A-R-K. And you can also find my book online at uh, DerekJGarlington.com. And that's just the letter J. So it's my full name and my middle initial letter J. And yeah, I would love people to connect, um, check out my book. That's kind of what's most important to me now. Cause as we spoke about spirituality, it's helping me explore that. So 
the support so far with the book actually has been pretty overwhelming. I didn't expect it to be doing as well as it is. So if you want to continue to support me, support me. We can kind of do the spiritual journey together. And I love talking to people about it. So let's do it. <laughs> I'm so glad that we could take this spiritual journey together. And thank you so much for being on the show, Derek. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. Looking forward to being with you again on the next episode of All Possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.